Welcome to episode 139 of Design Details. I'm Bryn Jackson. And I'm Brian Levin. Today we caught up with Josh Austin. He's designing at YouTube, working on VR stuff. Before that, he was at Oakley and Backcountry and Overstock. And we dig into his story. But before we get into that, there is one day left to buy a Design Details t-shirt. If you're listening to this exactly when it came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You gotta subscribe. Like if you're listening this morning, uh, Wednesday, uh, the July, <laughs> Wednesday, the July, Wednesday, Wednesday, the June of the 15th, uh, there's, <laughs> there's a few hours left to get a design details t-shirt. Uh, hey, our meetups tonight in San Francisco. And our meetups tonight. We'll see you there. And I'm speaking at AltConf and you're talking at, uh, layers. Look at that. Busy day. Busy day. Uh, our t-shirts are amazing. Very soft, very comfortable. They come in all men's and women's sizes. They're the in- best t-shirts. They're huge. <laughs> They don't. Oh, <laughs> they come in black, blue, They're actually and gray, appropriately sized. And we're not making any money on them. They're as cheap as we can possibly get them so that you can get them easily. And Cotton Bureau, our printer and distributor, can keep running their business. Thanks so, to Jay for setting this all up. It's awesome. If you want to grab a t-shirt, the link to that is on our Twitter, at DesignDetails.fm. And of course, a link will always be in the show notes if you want to just go straight from there. Uh, thank you to everyone who's grabbed a shirt so far. And send us a photo. We love seeing them. Yeah. Also... Now, before we get into the episode, let's thank our sponsors quick. First up, you know them, you love them, Wayno. Wayno is an agency here in San Francisco building a killer design team to do amazing client work for companies you love. They just recently redid the Boosted Boards website. It's amazing. And I really want a Boosted Board now. I want a Dan Petty. That's what they're advertising, right? Yeah, they're, yeah Dan's the product. The Boosted Board is an accessory. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll take a starter kit, please. Uh, Wayno... They're doing amazing work. They're building a team out here. And every Friday, they host a happy hour at their office uh, in Soma. And they just chat with cool people. It's a small ticketed thing. It's free, but you have to get a ticket. The last couple were awesome with uh, Chikizi and uh, Heather Phillips. If you're interested in those, uh, follow them on Twitter, wayno.co, all spelled out. We'll have a link to them in the show notes. The other thing is they're hiring. So if you are a product designer looking for the next big thing and you want to do client work at one of the best agencies in the world. Wayno is the place for you. Go to their website, wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. Click the careers link in their header. Tell them we sent you. If you are just getting into design, they're looking for a 2017 intern here in San Francisco. Check out their work, look up the team, and apply to work there. Yeah, do it. It's awesome. So thanks again to Wayno. Our second sponsor, back again, Dropbox. Dropbox is on a mission to make working better. Uh, They want people to be able to collaborate and share files and build cool things better. And now they're on a mission to make your working life better. They want to hire you. They're hiring product designers and design managers from all around the world, not just the U.S., to come work here in San Francisco at their beautiful new office in Soma. Not just here, though. They've got places all over. They've got New York. They're doing events in Vancouver coming up. They're they're really setting up more of a global company. And it's awesome. And it's been so cool chatting with Dropbox in 2016 because up until now, it's been this like beautiful application that runs in the background and gets out of the way. You don't get to see it. But now they're working on disrupting the way people work together with products like Dropbox Paper, thinking about how can collaboration be better, more consumer-facing products, and that is incredibly exciting. If you're interested in those kinds of products, you want to work on hard problems with incredibly talented people and designers, uh, they want you to join them. To learn more, go to spec.fm slash Dropbox. That'll take you to the job listings page where you can learn more details, learn what the job role is, 
all that good stuff. And of course, tell them we sent you. You really have to check out this office. This team is amazing. They're super cross collaborative. Everyone spends time with people in other disciplines, so researchers, writers, uh, product designers, and illustrators work together from problem definition to actually shipping the product, which is incredible. The, the teams we've gotten to talk to are insane and their new office is stunning. Yeah, It's so rad. We've had a blast working with them and we hope you will too. Again, go to spec.fm slash Dropbox to learn more. Thanks again, Dropbox. And with that, let's get into episode 139 with Josh Austin. Hello, I'm Josh Austin. I'm a designer, I'm a dad, um, and I currently work at Google, more specifically YouTube. Is that Google now? Well, is no, that, it's is still that Google. It's alphabetish? Still Google. Yeah, technically you no, work at Alphabet, actually, right? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. We're still, YouTube is still like Google proper. I think the way it works is Google is basically like everything that falls under Google's like mission of organizing the world's information and all that stuff falls under Google still. Okay. So, yeah. So, YouTube You're is a subsidiary. Still, still part of Google, not like an alphabet. Um, what do you do at YouTube? I work on VR. Uh-huh. So, I work on all that fun, Virtually exciting anything. virtual reality stuff. Yeah. No, the thing that everyone's exciting. talking about. Are you tired of being asked what it's like to design for VR? No. No, no, cool. What's, like what's it like to design for? Do you do you know the answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I fumble around with it a lot. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a fun topic. Are we, we going to jump to that now? You're just going to dive right in? Uh, I'm cool with whatever. Let's go back in time. I'll go wherever you want. Um, Should we talk about what <laughs> what, what we're expecting from WWDC? Uh, dude, who knows? I don't. Uh, yeah. Sh- I, should we talk about Google I.O. expectations? Um, like that, already ha- that already happened? Dude, your face. I was like... Uh, Guys, uh, I've been hearing, hearing rumors of this thing called Daydream. Um, yeah. I'm dude, psychic, rumors right? Rumors are true. Rumors <laughs> are true. Confirmed. This guy's a leaker. Come on, man. Get uh, with it. That's like weeks ago. No, Professional I, leak designer, Josh Austin. You do not want please that title. reference me. In that yeah, in please. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Uh, where are you from, Josh? So, I'm, uh, I, say, I say I'm from New York. I, I spent most of my life in New York, uh, outside New York City. That's always the follow-up question. So, I'll just, I'll, I'll save, you the, save you the question. Just outside New York. Are you from New York City? <laughs> See? See? No. So just outside New York. Is New it York one of those City. hilariously named like old Dutch cities? Westchester is like no. the county. That's not, that's not so bad. Westchester County. That's not bad. Um, I grew up in a town called Brewster. But there's like Hastings on Hudson. Yeah, man. You know Hastings? <laughs> there's <right>. Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's basically between Hastings and Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are geographically on point. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, right there. You know Hastings? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So... I spent most of my life there. I I was born on the western slope of Colorado, moved to New York when I was a kid, uh, like four ish, and then I lived in New York till I went to uh, college. Yeah, where'd so, you go to college? I went to college at Brigham Young University in Utah. Wow. Yes. What'd you so, study? Not design. Not basketball either. No. Clearly, Ooh. is that like a short Ooh. jump? Is that, is that like a well, short no, jump? Well, no. I mean. 
Sick burn, I think. It yeah. really wasn't. I meant no offense, Brian. They so harsh. A, don't they have a really great basketball? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. And you're not a ba- <laughs> No, you're not in the NBA. I'm not a basketball player. <laughs> so no, I'm a terrible basketball. Josh Johnson's a good NBA player name though. Is it? That's you a think? really Josh good Johnson. NBA. Yeah, you should be a professional athlete instead. Yeah, maybe well, a virtual <laughs> professional <laughs> athlete. There's still time for that, mm-hmm. right? Like you be the we first could define one. that. Yeah, we, we, could, we could start here. I would say can that someone like pay him money? Sports, <laughs> professional sports is ripe. Let's for get disruption. a basketball, pay him money, assign him to a contract for like one season, and then one season is an entire episode of this the podcast. First, you know how Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records has all these loopholes? Like all you have to do is do the first of one thing, but tweak one word of of the thing it is. Change a variable. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, change a variable. Mm-hmm. We could do that. You okay. could be the world's first virtual. Anyways, uh, what'd you study at, <laughs> at BYU? <laughs> <laughs> okay let me okay i gotta like reset like weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right all right uh, um okay so i studied i studied communications hmm. like business management uh-huh. that type of stuff why why did you study sports that? business why'd you, why'd you want to do that uh it's a good question too that I, I don't know to be honest i like so i think what what happened i um i went to school and so i did play a sport in school I didn't play basketball, but I played played lacrosse. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so I played lacrosse. Basically and, the same thing. There's balls and nets. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, sure, dude. <laughs> but I think what happened, like I I played a lot of lacrosse, and so um, it was kind of like just a means to like get a degree. To be honest, there was really not like when I first went to school, I thought I was going to be like. Like, I had no idea, uh, to be honest. I was like, for a long time when I was a kid, I wanted to be like a physical therapist or something like that. I like for no real good reason other than like sports and stuff like that. Um, but then I went to school. Communications was like one of the easier majors to get through. And, you know, and so I kind of went that route. But I remember I, I did take a couple classes, like the advertising track was part of communications. And so we did take like some some classes where we dinked around in illustrator and stuff like that. And that was like some of my first exposure to like design tools and stuff. So I guess kind of worth Did it. that spark an interest or at the time was it just to get classwork done? Yeah, no, I think it sparked an interest. I think it sparked an interest. And, I, and my brother at the time was a photographer, like just on the side, just fun, um, like messing around. Your brother at the time or your brother my br- at the time? My bro- my He's a temporary <laughs> brother. He was my, a rental. <laughs> the common matters. <laughs> no, my brother, he was a photographer part-time kind of full-time brother (laughs) full-time brother brother. part-time photographer yeah but so he uh you know he was like always doing cool stuff with photos and photoshop and stuff like that and so he kind of got me into that stuff too a little bit but how did did that start to evolve was it in school or after so i think for design it kind of it definitely evolved in school so um all right we're getting like this is like story time let's do it all right story time okay all right. Josh Austin so, story hour. Let's do it. Dude, this is going to be so boring, by the way. I'll be the judge of that. You're not a salesman. <laughs> as, <laughs> no. as we are quickly finding. Well, no, so communication not a strong I'm point. A re- I'm a realist. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll keep it brief though. Okay. So I think whenever I get asked like how you like came into design and stuff, I, I, I never know how to answer this question, but I think I can kind of pinpoint some things like, so in school, like my first real like taste of design and like where I can kind of see that passion budding a little bit was so in college 
to like make a little scratch money on the side. Like this is so funny. It's so ridiculous. But okay, so do you guys remember Seven Jeans? I don't know if they're still cool. Like I remember Seven, seven Jeans. for All Mankind yep. jeans. Yeah. They were like like stupid amounts of money mm-hmm. and like whatever. You could buy them at Nordstrom's or whatever. And in school, I figured out that like, you know those like uh those like Ross or TJ Maxx or whatever, like Marshalls, the stores that sell like yeah, I don't know, like leftover stuff from yeah, yeah, yeah. from like uh-huh. department stores. Anyway, there was one, there was a couple of those near my school and I was there one day and I saw these jeans and I was like, "Oh, sweet." Like and they were like 20 bucks or something. I'm like, "Oh, this is interesting." And so I went home and I checked on eBay. I was like, "Oh, like what do these sell for?" And they would sell for like 75 bucks. And I was like, "Oh, man. Like that's weird." So I went like that night or that day and like I bought like the whole place of them. Like I bought all of them. And then I like went to eBay and I started like putting them up on eBay and I would sell them. And then like I gradually started doing that. I would go to like all these stores and I would grab as many seven jeans as they would have at the time. And then I'd like list them on eBay. But like this was yeah a long time ago. But on eBay, you could like customize your listings and stuff with like HTML and stuff like that. And so... I, that's like the first, I was like, oh my gosh, I could have like a marquee on the bottom oh, of my nice. thing. Oh, nice. And like have stuff. So that's like, I started hacking away at that stuff, which is totally stupid. And like I said, totally boring. Um, that's not boring but, at all. So I started doing that like, and that was just fun. Um, and I like made a little bit of money, not much at all, but it was fun. 55 and I, bucks at least. Yeah, man. But after eBay fees, shipping, oh, yeah, yeah. all that jazz. But um but I was like, I just started to get a, a, a taste for the web a little bit. And so really, like after that, I just started dink- dinking around on the side and like, dude, net tuts was my jam. And like, yeah, PSD tuts, yeah you yeah. know, uh-huh. and like Chris Spooner, if you know Chris Spooner, uh-huh. dude, he was always like putting out awesome tutorials. Chris Spooner.co.uk. <laughs> Awesome, right? Blog.spoongraphics.com, <laughs> yeah. dude. Spoon graphics. Holy shit. Dude, so good. Uh. Right? So anyway, all through college, as I was going through it, I would just like jam on those things all night and do that stuff. And so that's how I got into it. But I still graduated in communications. And um and like right out of college I worked like for the first several years of my career was not in design. And so I just like did it on the side just for fun. So yeah, and just like developed it over several years of just goofing around. I wonder what Chris Spooner's doing these days. Dude, he still keeps that blog. Dude, he actually, so he has like a, a paid version of his blog for like resources. And yeah, stuff. it's like a membership site. Yeah, but I, st- I think I still, fi- I like I follow him and yeah, he's still doing it, man. Still spooning along. For reference, what years uh, was that? Let's see, I graduated school in 2008. So this was like, yeah, between like 2006 and 2008. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like, gosh, dude, that's crazy. That was 10 years ago. The The design community felt different back then. Like I was, that, I was just getting into it, but the blog.spoon graphics, uh, PSD Tuts at the yeah, time, man. those were like the, the kings. The Envato Network. Smashing Magazine. I was an uh, Abdezito person. Abdezito, oh, yeah, dude, of course. Yeah, that's how I found like everything. Yeah, dude. I have an Abdezito story. Good. Stuff is so good. Moved to San Francisco first week ish here uh there's a little gym in my apartment complex working out lifting some weights getting this full. <laughs> obviously this dude walks down the stairs crazy curly hair i'm like holy shit that's fabio sasso <laughs> 
And I didn't know quite what to do because I'm starstruck. I've followed this dude's yep. blog for forever. And even to the point where I used to run a little design blog and I interviewed him. And obviously he wouldn't remember me. Cause I was, yeah. But I interviewed this dude. I've been following him for years. So finally, before the end of my workout, I like kind of go up and like, hey, you're Fabio, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Big, Big fan, man. Uh, I didn't quite know what to do, and then he moved out like a month later. So. Oh, man. So, Fabio, if you're listening. It was your fault. Yeah, he's like, he works oh, at Google. fuck a fan. Yeah, yeah, he's like, at Google. Uh, I, yeah. I have that same thing. Like, when I found out, like, when I started at Google, I didn't know he worked. And then, no. like, I posted a photo on Instagram one time, and Mike Buzzard, like, commented on it and was like, oh, are you standing on, I posted a photo from the San Francisco Google office, like, of the Bay Bridge or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he, and Mike Buzzard commented and was like, oh, are you standing on, like, Abduzito's? like desk i'm like what Whoa. i was like what and so then i like looked him up on her i was like oh my gosh but i've like i'm too ner- i like he has no idea dude i've never reached out to him i'm like too nervous he to should talk him to up. him man. but well, my, he, my story with brian was basically the same thing like, walking to github guy with giant curly hair comes in i'm like i love your blog <laughs> <laughs> it's funny mark, mark <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i felt the same way exactly when i met uh jm so yes Dude, so Jean-Marc Denis. Yes, man. So, I mean, like I followed him forever. Uh-huh. And yep. then, and then, so I was working on the YouTube VR stuff. We'll probably get to this stuff. But anyway, um, when he moved from the inbox team to the Google VR, VR team, yeah. like uh, we were, him and I both went to this like intro to Unity, like talk that was going on internally at Google. And like the minute I saw him, I was like, oh. I was like, and I saw his badge. I saw his badge and it said like, Jean-Marc. I was like, what? I'm like, there's not a lot of like, I'm like, is this, is it like the Jean-Marc? And then I was like, yeah. Mr. Was totally starstruck. I was Mr. Probably Sparrow such a himself. Doofus. I know, yeah. I was a total doofus. It's fun to fanboy sometimes. Yeah. Dude, I was totally starstruck. In private and- on, a, on a podcast. <laughs> in, in private to 15,000 people. Is, it's no big deal. I'm totally exposing myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Jean Marc. The first time I talked to him, uh, we kind of somehow got in the same Twitter conversation, and I was like, "Oh, hey, we'd love to have you on the podcast, or whatever." He's like, "Well, I'm kind of nervous about my accent. Would you want to go out to dinner at RN74?" And I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah." He's like, "Okay, uh, you and your wife." I'm like, "Yep." Okay, me and my wife will go. We'll go hang out for a while. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's cool. I think that that's one of the great things about the design community. I think it's just you have people that were major inspirations as to why you even got into design and, and yeah, to actually like meet with those people. And then like with JM to even be able to work with him and like, you know, like he and I would just like I would chat and pick his brain about stuff. And it's just like sometimes I'm just like, wow, it's pretty cool. That's you spoke at Epicurrence with him too, right? Yeah, right. Like, I like that was pretty cool. That was like one of those things that I was like, I didn't think I'd ever like speak with JM on something. So yeah, cool. if we're allowed to keep fanboying for a bit, I would argue that that's it's it's one of the reasons why living here is really cool is because it seems it obviously pulls in a lot of people yeah. that have like a profile or a name <clears throat> and like you finally get to meet them and it's, yeah, for sure. Then you realize how accessible everyone is and it's like, yeah, everyone's just nice. It feels really like impossible at first. And then it's like, oh, now I know everyone. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, it's interesting. I would love your perspective. I remember that time so clearly, uh, 2008, Mm -hmm. 2009, uh, everyone, it seemed like everyone was blogging. Yeah. Like, or at least 
the community was so obsessed with following these kind of big blogs. I think like mm-hmm. um, Smashing Magazine, and yeah. I, I guess they're still huge, but I've stopped, and yeah. I don't know what happened. I think for me, um, I mean, I definitely still, I mean, I definitely don't don't follow that scene quite as much, like the the blogs and stuff like that. And I think I credit that to just like some like genuine mentorship. I think for me, so when I was like in college and after graduating college, like I said, I wasn't working in design, but like it was, it like consumed like everything I did. And, and I worked at a company in Utah called overstock.com and, um, <laughs> a company you might've heard of. Is it, I, don't, I always question whether or not it's like that I, big. It's Co now, right? So I was there during that transition that was a total debacle, but yes. I worked on Shop Savvy at the, like uh-huh. when, uh, they made the transition to O.co and I had to do like the artwork and they had just released Gosh. a promo with Snoop Dogg and, <laughs> and I made it so the O.co logo was over Snoop Dogg's face and it was just like his arms like, reaching out and his like legs spread. It was hilarious. Nice. So dude. funny. Yeah, man. Those days. That was like, yeah, those days were, were pretty crazy. But you're saying at that point you didn't have a mentor? No. Well, so, okay. What happened was, so I was, I was working in marketing like right out of college, I started working in marketing at, at Overstock.com. Um, but I quickly fell in, like a lot of the people I, I really connected with were, um, was like the design team and the engineering team at, um, at Overstock. And, um, and then at the same time, um, I kind of got introduced to Mark Hemian. Um, so Mark went to BYU. Mark played lacrosse. And he's older than I am, but he and he's good friends with my brother, who's like they're close in age, and they're still like good buddies. They live really close to each other in Southern California, and so I got introduced to Mark. Um, and so Mark at that time was like, you know, he was big time too, right? Like doing at that time he was doing T Fury and like Design by Humans and all that stuff. Um, but he was a big name in design, and so it was really cool because I kind of had a connection with him a little bit, and then um, the design guys and the the front end engineers and stuff at, at Overstock, I just gravitated towards those guys. And this was like right about the time that like Dribble was just coming on the scene. And I remember like all the talk about like, oh, Dribble, like everyone like on that team was just super pumped on it. And so what happened for me is we went to, um, in 2009, we went to South by Southwest. And I went like on the marketing side because it was like, social media was kind of like the new thing. And South by Southwest was kind of like this hybrid artistic design and now it was like kind of shifting into this like marketing social commerce type thing and so i weaseled my way in from a company standpoint to go to south by southwest with like the whole intention of like just hanging out with like the design crews and like going to design talks and like all this stuff and so we went and that's where i I, like i met mark for the first time like more formally as like a designer and just hung out with like a bunch of people that like i had followed forever and like just met them or listened to them talk and it was so inspiring i literally came back from that conference and this was i had been at the company for two years maybe a year and a half and it was so inspiring that i was like oh my gosh I, i went to work like the following week and i went right right to my boss's office who was like VP of marketing or whatever. Her name's Stormy Simon. Hey, Stormy. But um, so I went in and I just, I was like, hey, like I'm not super pumped on all the stuff I'm doing in marketing. It's just not like, I'm just not passionate about it. But could I just like leave that team and go be a front end engineer? And I pitched it as like, you know, cross pollination, understanding <laughs> like what, like synergy. Yeah, exactly. Like buzzword, all of those yeah. things, right? And like, to my surprise, she was totally stoked on it. And so 
like the following week, I just like left what I was doing and went and like fumbled my way around like with the front end team and did that for a year. And that's kind of like my first real like taste of kind of getting into it. Uh, but it didn't. It didn't last very long. But but you found they were overstocked, overstaffed. Oh, he could say that. The team was super talented, though. Those guys are were super awesome, and like that's where I learned, like you know, everything. Like I had messed around with HTML, CSS, some JavaScript stuff, um, but really on the side and not full time. And so, actually doing it at like a production level for a, a pretty big company and like big site that, like you know, if the site went down, like you'd lose, you know, millions of dollars, those types of things. So I learned about like version control and like subversion and all of that type of the nitty grittier stuff about like, and then just like design frameworks and like systems and all that stuff. So that was super, that was a fun time for doing that for a year. To loop it back, was that the time where you stopped sort of reading blogs and tutorials and then you were getting like the actual hands-on at the workplace. Yeah. Well, finding your mentors. I mean, I, I don't know that I ever really stopped. It's just kind of like slowed down because I was getting more like practical application and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think actually being able to connect with people in the space and actually working in that industry was super beneficial for me. And like that, that's really what helped me along the way. But as an add on here, what are what are some blogs that you follow that that you still find value in that you you enjoy reading in the design side? Ooh, Bryn, you can hop in here as well. Okay, what's a blog? I, I'll go. That's what's, uh, I can go first if you y'all want some some warm up. Sure. CSS tricks. Oh, Chris, you, you still read that? I reference his website so freaking much. Yeah, I, yeah. Like when I'm searching for something, I'll definitely use it. Yeah, but yeah. I don't like read it. Like ah, I don't like yeah, go yeah. through all the articles like I used to. I used to like um, read everything that was posted there. I'm subscribed by RSS because and, and skim the headlines. To RSS. Find, to find. This is where you're getting all these random pieces throughout the day. What RSS? Crazy. What ran it? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't use RSS Dude, anymore. Dig no. Reader. I like Dig Reader. <laughs> I bet they have eight people using it, and I'm one of the. I am a. Twitter person. That is my RSS feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter's fine. Uh, yeah, what, what, like, what are you guys like following or keeping up with? Oh, man. I feel like... Uh, Literally nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Now that you like asked the question, like put me on the spot like that. I don't really know. I mean, there's definitely like posts on Medium that I'll, I'll like turn to. Um, and then, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. If I'm looking for something in particular and one of the search results is a like blog I know, I'll go read that. But I won't like yeah. I don't like read through things. I used yeah, to not, all the time. Yeah, not like I used to, for sure. Like I think there's only maybe a couple sites I like browse and that would be like Polygon. Is that because it transitioned to, to Facebook and Twitter? Or why why did RSS die for you guys? Yeah, I think so. I think Twitter's like a a big reason. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I like. I really think it's just because, um, like, I got a little bit. I got more value out of like working in the space, and then just like from direct connections than I did with the blogs. Yeah, but I but agree. I think it's those are great beginner resources, right? And I think as like I got a little bit better and better, I don't know. You kind of just you rely a little bit less on those things, but. Um, Again, I like I. I think that there's still great content out there, but mm-hmm. no, I think there's great content out there. I just don't feel the need to browse through it. 
Yeah. Like the only time I browse now is for entertainment rather than for like learning. Yeah, I've shifted less less towards the uh, like design blogs and more towards uh, founders and product manager blogs and things like that. Just you, to get like you shifted this, towards that. Yeah, yeah. Get more tangential. That sounds like, exhausting. Knowledge on the fringes of what we're doing. Like cool. Uh, yeah, I do read I John Gold's blog and uh, Murmurs and yeah, those folks talking about like engineering and but systems. I don't think stuff. of those as like blogs so much as like individual posts. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying. Like with m- m- like Medium and stuff like that, or like the cool stuff that Airbnbs were yeah. doing with their design systems and stuff like that. I think get tremendous value out of that stuff. And then there's like on the VR topics, there's people have been posting some really good like stuff of like foundational stuff on vr and stuff like that so that's been cool let's keep pushing forward so you you transitioned at overstock yeah yeah uh yeah sorry i didn't anticipate spending much time on like overstock that's like not anyway that's so, well it's a key part of the story sure. it's, yeah it's, it so would seem. okay so i was a front-end engineer for about a year um and uh okay so this is just i'm just going to continue down my story do it uh, okay so i did that for a year and then um, so some buddies of mine from Overstock had left and gone to like to backcountry.com, which is also in Utah, but in Park City. And like, if you're into anything outdoors, like backcountry.com was like the jam, mm-hmm. right? Like super hardcore outdoor athlete type retail stuff. And so being aligned with that type of lifestyle, like outdoors, action sports, um, snowboarding, anything to deal with that the opportunity to work there was super exciting. And so anyway, some buddies left Overstock and went there and they recruited me to come there, but not for as a designer in it or as an engineer, like back to doing like what my degree was in and like back to the marketing stuff. And so I had this like, there's this like very fine fork in the road, right? It was like, okay, you can kind of go down this design path or, or development path at that time or, you know, pursue like, something you're super passionate about, which is outdoor sports and stuff like that, but do something that you're probably not going to love, but work for a rad company, get super awesome discounts and like totally live that life. Right. And you chose the I discounts. Chose, I, chose the, <laughs> I chose the gear. Like, absolutely. I chose the gear. Um, <laughs> no, but, sh- no shame at all. <laughs> no. Like, and to be honest with you, I didn't even think about it very long. It was like, yeah, dude. Gear. Like I need stuff. I like I <laughs> snowboard way too often and I yeah. just want gear. So this now is gosh, okay, so like 2009 or 10 maybe, somewhere around there, but so I did that for a year and like I milked it. I like bought so much stuff. Like my paycheck was <laughs> literally like going to just like gear. It was so dope, dude. You we got um all employees, anything you want, anything on the site you got for cost plus like 5%. <laughs> Unbelievable, shit. right? And so what they would do is you would order your stuff yeah, yeah. and then it was called the tote. The tote would show up at Park City with everything that everybody ordered for the week and it just like dropped it in this room and then you just like, when the tote came, everyone would just leave their desk and go like pick out the stuff that they had bought out of this out of this huge mass of del- delivery. You had Christmas every week. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. <laughs> every Tuesday. Bikes being delivered yeah. like bikes um everything so i bought like snowboards i bought like a like a full rack of climbing gear so much stuff dude but i wasted a lot of money not wasted not wasted at all but anyway so what happened is i did that for a year and then and so at this point i was married uh, I, got, I had gotten married um actually my while in school i got married i had just really had, breezed through that one huh <laughs> which is such oh, a yeah, shame the, dude the this thing is such happened a shame. i'm not <laughs> we're like so messed up i should be talking about my family like way before this stuff um so let me pause 
let me just like frame for you. But but the gear the though. <laughs> but the gear, the gear. <laughs> okay, let me just like set the stage a little bit. So, um, I got married to my wife Tiffany, who is like absolutely incredible. Um, I met her while I was playing lacrosse at BYU. So she was a, a sideline reporter for like BYU's. BYU has like a TV network that. Anyway, so she was a reporter. I met her there. She's incredible. And would you had, like wink at her while you were playing a game? She'd be on the sideline. You'd be like she'd look over and she she'd give a little wave and dude, I, I had game, dude. Bro, I had game. I'm not lying. That's where you're playing, game. right? Yeah, dude, I had game. <laughs> I wish we could go. I wish we could go back. Actually, like dig up. We should do this. We should. I need to talk to her. We should dig up. Like so. She the first time we met, we she. It, so my little brother played lacrosse with me at BYU at the same time, and um. And she interviewed, the first time we met, she interviewed me and my brother as like this, like, you know, oh, like two brothers play lacrosse, like that type of story, like real, you know, heart, you know, tug of the heartstrings type thing. And anyway, that's the first time we met. And so I want to find that, What you know what, I'm on a mission for our anniversary. I'm going to find that video. I'm going to find that video and give it to her. She can thank design details. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So (laughs) good at this point, at this point, I'm married and we just had our first our first kid, Dane. And Dane was like a year old when I worked at uh, Backcountry. So I worked at Backcountry. So I worked there for a year doing stuff that I didn't really love, but the gear was awesome. And so what ended up happening, and I I think it's just kind of fate, but I got fired, like totally got fired. Um, Just up one day, like came to work on a Friday and like just got fired. And my wife was pregnant with twins so, and we had just bought a house. So, okay. So I show up at work. I'm like, oh, life's sweet. You know, I like, it's awesome. And then I show up at work and it's like, you're fired. And so immediately I was like, crap, I have a house that we just bought in Utah. I have a one and a half year old and my wife has twins due like any day. And so it was super scary. And like one of those moments is like in your life where you look back and you're just like, man, total struggle, right? You just don't know what to do. And so I remember at that point, now I was really torn because I loved um, design and like I really wanted to pursue it. But at the same time, I had like this family and I needed to like, especially at this time, like I had to figure out how I was going to make money to like, dude, pay for this house and like have these kids and stuff. And so um, I was really torn because like the path to money was very clearly like go get another job somewhere, like doing like online marketing for somebody else, like go keep doing this like online marketing thing and it was like that at that time like seo and social like marketing stuff was super hot so i could have followed that path and like i got a job offer to do that really quickly after i lost my job at backcountry just from friends and stuff like hooked me up and i I, like had a job offer to do that like in a good money um particularly in utah but like i felt like i had kind of made that mistake once by not doing front-end development anymore and going back to doing it and so i was like "Ah, what do i do and so this is when I really hit up like friends and mentors in this, in the design space. And I was like, look, like, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. I really want to get in design. Like, what do I need to do? Like, I just want to do this. And so like talked with friends and, and just mentors in the design community and landed like a quick freelance gig um, with a startup and just like hacked my way through that, not knowing like anything that I was doing, but um, just like, kind of forced my way through it and kind of had committed like, okay, I'm done with like all the marketing stuff. I'm, I'm going to go full time into design. And so I just kind of went for it and did some freelance for a few months. And then um, 
a good for uh, like a, a friend of mine uh, that was a front end engineer at, at at Overstock had left and had gone to Oakley in Southern California, and like Mark had actually been at Oakley for a while too. Um, Mark Hemian. So Hemian had been at Oakley too, and so I kind of had like two connections at Oakley, and so it was like super awesome that my buddy, his name is Michael Deal, he's an awesome engineer. He was at Oakley and referred me. He like hit me up and was like, "Hey, we're looking for designers at Oakley. Do you know anyone that would be interested?" Because like I just kind of hung with the design guys, and I like I remember asking, I was like, "Uh, yeah, I think I know <laughs> uh, some people. Like, do you think like?" do you think I'm like good enough? <laughs> and he was like, oh dude, for sure. If you're interested, like, yeah, go for it. And I was like, awesome. And so I like scrapped together this awful portfolio of like just garbage work. And he got me an interview over there. So I flew out there and Mark had like left Oakley at that time. He was, wasn't there anymore, but, um, but he had still like, he knew people there. And so I reached out to him and other people and freaking miracle happened and I got the job. And I was like, <laughs> Super pumped about it. So we moved to Southern California. And then I started working at Oakley, which was like, you know, backcountry was cool, but like Oakley was way cool. <laughs> like, and I was doing design. So this was like dream. The, oh my gosh, dude. Like, holy cow. Like, even look, I get chills just even like talking about it because it was so as as like as someone that loves the outdoors and was super passionate about design and super nervous about like my ability as a designer and my ability to like make it in that industry to like land somewhere like that was just like so awesome did landing there make you more or less nervous about your ability oh my gosh dude i was so nervous like so nervous particularly because what was the first day like so first like, they throw you in orientation first yeah. you don't even meet your team or anything yeah, you yeah. just go out and you get thrown in orientation and i was like i was the dork in orientation right like i was answering all the questions <laughs> and i was like you know they're like why do you want to work at oakley and i just like rattled off this like i probably I think i blacked out i just gave like this awesome <laughs> response and everyone like even i remember saying it and everyone was like whoa this yeah, guy really right. likes like, Oakley. Yeah. And um <laughs> it was funny, man. Um, oh, it's hilarious. But so yeah, those first that first little while, man, it was just so much just learning from those guys and um that whole team at Oakley is like so good. Um like if you look back at at the people that have worked at Oakley over the last I don't know, like eight years, like some seriously talented people, like Mark Jardine, who started Tapbots. Oakley, Hamian, Oakley, um, Chikizi. I don't want to butcher his last name. You probably I know who you're talking Chikizi. about. Yeah, uh, he's a designer at Nest. Oakley, Chris Welch, who's at Facebook. Oakley, Zach Keeler, Nathan Roberts. All these people, just like killer designers, awesome. And so to like kind of fall into that was super lucky, particularly like as a designer, like just trying to kind of get in. What so, did you get to work on? I still look back at this and I don't really know how it happened, but I ramped up like super fast, which was awesome. And I think a lot of it Blacked was- out the whole time. I <laughs> didn't what know what it feel like, dude. It's what it feels like. <laughs> I, th I credit it a lot to the fact that I did have some front end like experience. Not a ton, like a year, but um, enough, right? And so I came in and uh, the guy that runs that team, Adam Earhart, he was like, at that time, you got to understand, so Oakley's not a tech company. Um, and so like selling design and like tech stuff to a company that's not, they're an eyewear design company. And so they're very much focused on like making cool eyewear. They're not 
they don't care about like the website or any digital experiences. And so to execute on those experiences was really hard. You had to like sell why it was worth it. And you had to figure out how to make a case for these types of things. Right. And so, um, in order to do that, we didn't have a lot of money. We couldn't like say like, okay, well let's design something and then like go out and like, we didn't necessarily have the engineering resources to like make these things. And so, the fact that I had some front end experience was super beneficial because I was able to come in and like design some stuff and then just develop it, which like helped that process of like selling digital experiences and all that stuff um, really valuable. And like, if we wanted to do something, we could just do it and be like, look how awesome this is. Like we just did it here, like let's use it, you know? And so that was really helpful. And at the time I came in, they were in this, in the process of like replatforming and going into like, um, like switching systems and it's a, a big ordeal and going through a big redesign. And so like they definitely needed the help. And so I got some good experience doing that. And the fact that I had e-com experience in the past that like overstock and backcountry was super helpful. So like I had these skills that just happened to like fall into piece like a puzzle, you know? And so it just worked out really well. And so, yeah. So I worked on like the redesign, the oakley.com redesign, which like I said, that team's awesome. I just did it. I had a part in that. Those guys were awesome. But then after that, like I said, we were like selling these digital experiences. So the first really fun project I worked on was they were making this goggle, uh, this this uh, motocross goggle, and we wanted to make like a landing page for it, you know? And um, and typically the, the sports marketing guys would do that. They would just like hire an agency that like, and the way action sports work, just so you know, is it's all just bros. Like, like this bro knows this bro, so that's why they do the work. And so like, they just have crappy agencies do this stuff and the experiences would suck. And so we were, Adam and I just were like, let's make something super dope for this goggle. And so this was when parallax was just coming on the scene. Hot, like hot. Um, and like not a lot of sites had like had done it quite yet. And so, um, we were like, we thought it was super rad. We had seen it like a little bit and we we're like, let's do some dope parallax site. Right. And so, we had some seriously talented 3D guys that would just do some seriously awesome models of the sungla- of the goggle and like render it photorealistic, super awesome. Both those guys are now at Apple doing like killer work, by the way. So um, anyway, they we had him, we like drew out this scene of the goggle, like rotating down the page and like it would like rotate and then like explode and we'd like do all this stuff for parallax, right? And so we had them render that out and then we like Adam and I just built this site like in the course of like a couple of weeks, we designed it and built it and we launched it and it was super awesome. Everybody like loved it. It was super cool, except for the fact that the site was like 60 megabytes big. Well, we're only loading 10,000 images. I don't get it. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, the way that we would do it. Like, so like we didn't know how to do the parallax thing. And a lot of people, like I said, it was new. And so what we did is we just, it like, we exported the, the, the video as like an image sequence of PNGs. Right. So they were all transparent. Oh God. They on, were all transparent. On scroll. Yeah, dude. And so every, every, like every frame, we were just turning on and off images, like the whole Holy way down the page. Right? So there was just so many, <laughs> but okay. So we did it. And like, we were in such a hurry. We did it. It looked sick. It was awesome. We were so stoked. We launched, Watched it and um and like two days later brad frost you know mm-hmm. yeah you know he like sent this he tweeted it it was like 
like 60 megs, like some crap. And we just took so much heat, right? And so immediately, like tons of people were talking about it because one, like Parallax thing was just new and it was like, it was just a beast, like a hog that was just terrible in terms of like being optimized. And so anyway, like he tweeted it and then um, Ethan Marcote, so this is a funny story. Uh, a list, uh, an event apart was going on in San Diego, and some of our other team members went down to that conference. Um, and so this guy, Mike's gone, and um, Kim Yu and a couple other people on the team went. And like he texts us while he's at the conference, he's like, uh, "Like Ethan Marcote just showed the uh, the airbrake site as like an example of like what not to do." No. Oh shit! <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh crap!" And so I tweeted it, and I tweeted him. I was like, "I was like, oh man, like some something like, you know, super awesome when like beep mentions your work, except for when it's like an example of what not to do." And then so he replied, and he was like. And so I hit him up and I actually hit up Brad Frost too. And I was like, yo dudes, I'm like, we're new at this. I'm terrible. I'm not a good engineer. Instead of just ripping us apart, help us out. Like, tell us what we should do to like help optimize it. So they gave us some great ideas. Ethan Marco was super cool about it and helped us out. And like, we trimmed it down like super, but it still worked really well. And it was awesome. Like it ended up really good. And that was over the course of like a day and a half, like after it had launched or whatever. And, um, or a couple days. And so it was awesome. And it won like, you know, like sight of the day, all that jazz. So I was like, as a designer, I'm like, oh man, I am king. Yes. <laughs> I am the like, best. This is awesome. Um, yeah. So that was fun. So I worked on that stuff, and then I launched. <laughs> shoot, I, I, have we been talking like an hour? Is this like we're doing good? We're crap. great. How long has it been? We're great. Yeah, like fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh shoot, man. We're not getting into anything. Ah, uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> okay, we launched a few other mini sites like that that all were like super cool, like that. Parallax all the way. Kind of, we like, we ventured off, did some other cool things that were like a bit more like bleeding edge stuff yeah, that yeah. like got some attention, which was awesome. Scroll jacking. They were like, 60 megs, not enough. <laughs> I know, 120. <laughs> Half a gig. No, no. That's but, just starting. <laughs> download at your own peril. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we did that. But then like the my favorite project has to be like for the last year of working at Oakley, I, I, got, to, I got to work on... Um, a snowboard goggle that had a heads-up display in it called the um, Air Wave, and it was awesome. So, Cla- wait, clarify. You worked on the goggle. Okay, so for like a bit of clarification, so the hardware was not made by Oakley. It was made by a company called Recon, and it was like basically like a little display tucked in the bottom right hand of a goggle. Our goggle engineers designed the goggle, um, but the hardware we did not make. But at the time, what happened was so like the goggle was just being launched and there weren't any like apps for this goggle. Basically you would get like telemetry data and like you would get all the, like your speed and all that cool stuff. But we wanted to do more with the goggle. And so we actually had this partnership with GoPro at the time. And so we wanted to make an app that like, and this was years ago, right? We wanted to make an app to where you could preview your footage from a GoPro inside the HUD of the goggle and you could like do everything you wanted to um, and like all the core functions of a GoPro camera that you could do like without ever having to pull out your phone, without ever having to touch the the camera, just do it all from the HUD. And then it had like the way the goggle works is you have a, a like a D-pad, D-pad like attached to your wrist. So we worked with GoPro and GoPro was like, oh yeah, we really want to do it, but we don't want to build it. So like, if you want to do it, you guys got to build it. And so it was awesome. So we were like, sweet, let's build it. And so I designed it. We like built it all out and made it super awesome. And like, honestly, some of the best times of my life because 
I was working at Oakley, working on this sick project. This project was part of Oakley's what's called like advanced product development group, so APD group. And those guys were just like insane mechanical engineers and goggle designers that are just like next level awesome. Software design is cool, but these guys are like <laughs> next level, like unbelievable, right? And so I got in super tight with those guys and we would go and like test the goggle. And when there wasn't snow in the US, we'd go to like Argentina and we'd go snowboarding in Argentina or we'd go up to like Vancouver and go ride Whistler to test the goggle. And we did that like many times. I so, hate you so much. Dude, I'm telling you, right? Oh it my was, God. It was sick. It was so awesome. And so it was so fun working on that project. And in the end, it kind of sucks because we built it. We were like ready to roll with it. And I took the goggle and the app with some of the leadership at Oakley and we went to GoPro, like sat down with Nick Woodman was like, dude, check it out. And like, I pitched this thing to Nick Woodman and was like, you know, and he like, he was pretty st stoked on it. And then we were about to release it. And then this was right at the time that Google Glass had like just been announced, right? And so Oakley had made this like semi partnership with Google to make, to design a, an, a prescription version of Glass. And it just pissed Nick Woodman off, like GoPro off to the point where they were like, nope, we're not going to launch it. And so they didn't launch it. And so we never got to release it. It was all ready to go. And like, so it, it fizzled out. It was a bummer, but GoPro ended up making it last year. So. It's out there, but heads up display. This feels like foreshadowing. Ooh. Are we talking like AR? Yeah, I guess I guess it was closer to AR. But I mean in reality it was literally just like a little micro screen in the bottom of your periphery. But um yeah, I mean it but the constraints in which you designed for that were definitely um beneficial to what I do now in VR, which we have not talked about at all, but Well, Let's let's jump into it. So you're at this company doing this crazy stuff, you, cool projects, cool technology, cool people. Uh, yeah. What happened next? It was hard, really hard to leave Oakley because I always would tell people that if I could go back in time and tell like 11 year old Josh, like, dude, when you're like, <laughs> you're going to work at Oakley and you're going to be doing design stuff. Like I always told people, like there's, I would just like never believe it. Like my 11 year old self would be like, Bull crap, no way, right? And so the fact, like, it was really hard to leave that job just because it was so awesome and everybody was so awesome. But I just felt like, so I've always wanted to do my own thing. I, like, I've always had this aspiration to do it. And at the time, I thought it was a, a design agency. Like, after, like, a couple years at Oakley, I was like, oh, I want to start a design agency. Like, this is what I want to do. And so I left with the, like, intention of, like, of going down this route of starting a design agency. So I took a job at an agency in Irvine called Envoy, which again, killer team, awesome people, like super valuable time. And I kind of like, not to discredit them and, and I hope it doesn't sound bad, but I kind of went with the intention of like learning the agency ropes a little bit with the whole intention of like starting my own agency. Like that was my total goal. But I ended up really liking it there and those guys were super awesome. And so I worked there for a year and I worked on some really cool projects for Vizio, like the SmartCast stuff. We don't really have to talk about it, but um, so that I did that. just launched. It did right? just launch. Yeah, it's super awesome and it looks beautiful. Um, I worked on that for like a year and then those guys finished it out and really killed it. So super awesome. Um, but like I said, I really want to start my design agency. So that's why I left Oakley. And like I said, it was super real. It was super hard. But at that same time, like Google kind of called and was like, 
to like rewind a little bit, I had interviewed with them in the past, like while I was at Oakley and made it all the way to like the end of the interview process and didn't get a job offer. And so I was kind of jaded on the process of like going through the design, like just the lengthy design process at Google um, to where like when they came asking again while I was working at this agency, I wasn't super hot on it. Um, and I wasn't like all that excited to go through the process again, especially having like gotten all the way to the end and not have gotten an offer. Um, but I kind of convinced, I was like, you know what? My kids are young. If I ever wanted to like go and do this thing is like, I mean, cause I think anyone in design, like at least for me, from my personal like position, the thought of working at Google was like so beyond like, you know, like anything that I was really capable of doing, the fact that like they were interested in work, me working there was just like, you know, I, I wouldn't have felt right not doing it. And at least like trying again and exploring the opportunity just because like I said, it was just next level. And so, so I decided to do it, but this time I just like was super chill about it, relaxed and, and it totally worked out. And so um, I got an offer from, from Google um, and I kind of landed at YouTube and yeah, so I've, and I, now I've been there a year and a half and it's super awesome. And it's funny going through the story now and like basically just like boring everyone with this long like history. <laughs> <laughs> like I realized, and like, this is part of the things I kind of struggle with as a designer is like, although I've been messing around in design, I still feel very young, like in terms of like my experience, but I'm 33 years old. I'm like old. I've got four kids. I'm like, you're retiring next year. right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like It feels like I should be, but yeah. So I think I still struggle as a designer to be like, you know, how, how like my skills and my abilities. And I still feel like I'm learning a ton every day. And, but anyway, so I landed at YouTube. It's been super awesome. And when I got to YouTube, I just happened to really luck out. I feel really fortunate, like all throughout my career as a designer, I just kind of land at these places at really good times. And they were looking for, they needed, this was right kind of after cardboard had kind of come out, you know, nobody really knew what to do with it. And like, it was super new and, um, and YouTube, we knew we wanted to kind of experiment with the 360 spherical video stuff. And so they needed a designer and, um, and I just kind of happened to be there right at the right time. And and I had this little bit of experience with like the the goggle thing that was semi-related. And so it just really lucked out. And so now I get to do that with, again, like another awesome team. It's crazy. Before we go into that, the thing that's been cool to me about doing this particular show is that a result of it is people reach out and you get to talk to all these people. And what I've noticed... Um, is a lot of people want to go to these places like Google and Facebook and Twitter. And a lot of people I talk to will reach out, they'll get that first contact, mm -hmm. they'll maybe do an on-site, get to that end state. They don't get hired. Uh, that happened to you, but you still ended up making it to that place. Yeah. Could you just share a little bit, like you mentioned you were a little chiller going through it the second time, but like, what's the what's a good mindset if, if you get... Turn, yeah, you I, don't make it that first time, but now you, you have the second time. Like, what did you tweak, do a little differently that maybe someone yeah, listening might do? So, one, I think when I first interviewed, I had only been at Oakley for like a year and a half. And um, and to be honest, like, I didn't have a ton of work under my belt. Like, I didn't have, I had like some of the redesign stuff for Oakley and I had a few like of the microsite things and and some other stuff from just like previous stuff from freelancing and stuff. But um, I didn't have a ton of work. And so I kind of just needed to like chill out and realize like, okay, like 
just get more work done and like like do more and get more like work under the belt. And so after like another year and a half, when they reached out again, I, I had some more projects under my belt. And so I think that that really worked in my favor. And I had like freelanced, like I was, I was working at Oakley and doing these other things and freelancing on the side just to like get as much experience as I could um, and just get as many projects as I could under my belt. And so that helped me a ton. And then, like I said, I just, I was super stressed the first time I went through, like I put so much pressure on myself and, um, and like I said, it was just such a lofty thing to me, um, to even like imagine working at somewhere like that, that it kind of just put me out of like, and into like this really panicky type of mindset. Um, and it doesn't help that like, you know, um, and Mark was kind of helping me, Hemi was kind of helping me and he can be kind of stressful if you know Mark. And so he was like, you know, <laughs> Indeed. Like, we were talking all the time about it and he was like giving me all these tips and it just totally stressed me out. So, um, yeah, I was just, I was like too worried about it, I think. And so when I was going through the interview process, like, I don't think I represented myself all that well. Um, and I just, yeah, I think it was just a, a little bit of a maturity thing too, but just realize, I think as for any designer that maybe has that opportunity or wants that opportunity is just like to kind of just relax and, and, and not, it can be such a draining process that it, it, it can definitely wear on you, um, which kind of sucks. Like it's kind of unfortunate that it has to be it or that it is that way. I don't know that it has to be that way, but, um, yeah, just relax through the process and just understand that like, if you don't, it's not the end of the world. There's always like things, things always, at least for me. And I know it's not the case for everyone, but it just kind of works out. And do more work. Yeah. Like do more work. You're working on VR. Just talk to me a little bit about where you're at headspace, where you see the vision of VR, the way you're thinking about it day to day. Okay. Where are we going with this as, as designers and what should we be doing to start thinking about this kind of world where VR is? Yep. So having worked in VR now for like close to a year and a half, um, I think that, and, and I'll kind of try to, I'll keep this kind of short by plugging like a couple things. I'm super bullish on VR. I will admit that until I had tried it, I was super skeptical. Like I think most people, I think any new technology, I think anything new like this, people are going to be skeptical about it um, and just kind of fail to see practical application of this platform uh, beyond just what like the near term vision is. And so working in it, I've been able to kind of break through that short term uses like the short-term use cases and things like that and kind of see the longer more practical applications of vr so, so you're I'm not super feeling video games i love video games and i think we owe a ton to the gaming community now for like for pushing vr forward i personally am not like a huge gamer but um i see tremendous value in it and so i like and i like i said i think we can credit gaming for really driving this home from like from the content standpoint and from just like the tools and application standpoint like if we didn't have gaming engines right now to like do this stuff it wouldn't even be possible or good at all so huge props to that and we owe a ton anyone that like works in vr owes a ton to the gaming community but i think like for me like where i see it going because of what we're working on at google and like the whole um daydream vr stuff i'm I really see a lot of applications in the mobile VR front and I like I'm super pumped about what we're doing on the Google VR front. Um, and I, like, I'll just plug if, if you want to know more about that or even get a vision of like what Google VR is and daydream and then also how to like get into it from a designer standpoint, there's some, so at IO, there were some seriously awesome talks on specifically designing for VR. Um, 
that were seriously like awesome talks. So any designer that's even interested in it should go listen to like designing for VR that was done by um, Brian Pullen and um, Mike Alger and a bunch of other people on the Google side. Super awesome talk, really great fundamentals for designing for VR. And then there was another one, um, VR design process uh, that Rob Yagnow and um, Anshuman and another guy named Michael did that was super awesome. So those two talks alone were are super awesome. But I I just feel like VR in general, and I. I, I I feel bad that I'm like not really giving it the justice because we're kind of just cramming this in here. Not because t- I'm so seriously. Take your time. Take your time. Honestly, I think once you try it, and I don't know, have you guys had a chance to try anything? Cardboard. I've used the Oculus. Okay, so Rift or yeah, like, the Rift. Okay, and then you've your cardboard. Yeah. So I think anyone that like once you experience it, you like your life's changed. You're like whoa. Like it, when you experience like really high end or, or good VR and you have that like first taste of the experience. <laughs> so not card. No, cardboard's, uh, dude. Cardboard's like, not bad. I actually no. kind of enjoy dude, it. Dude, for what it is, cardboard <laughs> is so successful. People in VR, a lot of people in VR like really discredit like cardboard and, and really like there's, I guess there's a segment of people that think it's like, it's just bad that, and it just paints a bad picture for VR and it's actually hurting. But man, it, for what it is, it's so good at giving people like that first little taste of VR and set the stage for like, whoa, okay, this could actually really be something. Like, just imagine what I'm able to do with the phone that's currently in my pocket that has has not been optimized at all for VR and a piece of cardboard and two lenses. Like the fact that you can do that now, like just with what's currently in your pocket is pretty incredible. And so to think about... Okay, well now once we actually build hardware specifically for this and like as the technology gets better and better and software and hardware get better and better, like, dude, it's just going to be awesome. And if you've had the chance to try the Vive or even the Rift, like it's... it's or even the Rift. Well, and uh, sorry, I don't I've mean to say I've heard the Vive like is like next level though. Yeah, if you guys ever want to try the Vive, come over. You guys can come try it. Um, uh, but And I don't mean to discredit Oculus. I, I think that one... I, I just think right now... Um, the fact that Vive has like track controllers make and that like tracked input is such a game changer. And so once once the touch controllers for a Rift kind of hit the market and consumers get their hands on it, I think it's going to be super awesome. Um, and it, I think Rift is pretty awesome now. I think but once you back to that, so once you kind of have that experience, it's like you just took the blue pill from Matrix or if it's red, I don't blue or red, I don't know. But you just like you took the the pill where you go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> that one, that yeah. color. <laughs> yeah you just like you're you're like whoa that was crazy and we give so many demos i give i think so i work with this killer designer bryce um he's my manager on vr and we both work full-time on vr for youtube and he's like he worked on like the original youtube demo for cardboard a couple years ago he's awesome and he and i give demos to people like both internally and like externally um, and we usually give demos on the Vive. And it is so fun to put people in a demo room and like show them like experiences and just watch people's reactions. We've probably given well over 100 demos like easily. But yeah, like you see people that you can, like you see their faces when they put it on, they're like, whoa, what is this? Like, this is so weird. And then they put it on, they're like, what? Like people are immediately like just 180. They flip around, they're like, wow. And then, like people just start like, oh man, I could see this or this or like, man, you could do this or this. And it's just like immediately people like have a different mindset. So 
it's super awesome. And like to work in the industry now when it's in its infancy like this is like, again, dude, I like have to like pitch myself yeah. and realize like, yeah. what the heck? Like, dude, not that long ago, I was not even designing full time and like I sucked at it and I don't know, you know. Uh, we were able to catch up with Christophe Tozier. I listened last to that. Week. I just listened to it. It's uh, super awesome. Whether the answer is different or the same for people that want to start getting into that world, what's your what would you do? Uh, like I can totally relate to this because, like I said, um, I haven't been doing it very long, and so for me, the process has been one: learn some three D. If you don't know three D, um, like three Ds, and get get any three D skills you can pretty quickly and like it's nice that you can ramp up on this stuff like relatively quickly is that 3d art or uh, like learning unity or no i think any 3d will help you so whether that's like cinema 4d and working on like like modeling or lighting or rendering or like any of those types of skills are super valuable and you have to have like a, a, a foundational knowledge about those types of things to to like even really begin to think about interaction design in like in 3D. Um, and so it's interesting because like the design process in terms of like design thinking and things like that is same. Like you think about things the same way you do designing for web or mobile. It's just you apply it in a different way. And so that application requires you to kind of, you just have to approach things a little bit differently. You have to like approach things with like this eye of like an industrial designer or a... Um, like an architect, like you have to like apply these types of principles and thinking to your normal design or like product design thinking. It's really interesting and it's super fun. But so to the question, I would say 3D is super helpful. Once you learn 3D, so going from like a 3D tool like Maya or C4D to Unity, like that cuts the, the Unity learning curve significantly particularly with maya because maya and unity were actually like modeled like from a platform perspective unity was designed with like maya as a platform in mind and so even just understanding how to like use the tools and things like that um it kind of cuts that in half well maybe not in half but it cuts it down and any amount of like scripting if you like have that skill i don't think it's necessarily like critical because I feel design for VR is going to, like, you're going to have a little, at least in the beginning, you're going to have to have some, like, specialist type roles. Because to find someone that, like, not only is an awesome interaction designer, but also has 3D skills, also can script, also knows, like, Unity and, like, game design type stuff, like, that is super hard to find, particularly right now. So I think you're going to have to kind of have these interaction designers that are, like, inner 3D interaction designers. And then I think you're going to have to have, like, game slash like UX engineer prototyper people that can script in Unity with like C Sharp or JavaScript, but like largely C Sharp. For me, I've been trying to do both and honing in 3D skills and prototyping skills, but it's super hard, definitely making progress, but it's it's not particularly easy. Um, like C Sharp is essentially Java and like, like I've written a line of job in my life, <laughs> but I've been able to like hack my way around and um, like having some JavaScript knowledge has helped in that. It's been super beneficial, but yeah. How could people reach out to you to come do a demo? Seriously. <laughs> do you want to do that? Do you yeah, want to do that dude, on the Seriously. Show? And I have a vibe, like, like we don't have to do it at my office, um, but like we've got, I've got a vibe. At Josh Austin on Twitter? At Josh Austin on Twitter. Um 
yeah, that's basically all I use. I s- I've recently got on the snaps, so what? You're too old for that. Uh, is that what you want to plug? I am too old you for get it. to plug one thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, we're out of time. What do you want to plug? <laughs> Crap. Okay. Well, I'll plug uh, something totally random that we have not talked about at all. But um, if that's okay, Josh's um, basketball career. No, <laughs> no. Um, I'll plug. So. I'm working on a little something on the side, a little bit for VR designers. It ha- it is not out yet. Um, will it be in a week? Um, no. So <laughs> at time of posting, it still okay. will not be out. But um, yeah, I'll plug that. Keep like just follow me on Twitter or whatever, um, and hopefully I'll have something up. Um, I'm hoping to like get some resources and some stuff like in designers' hands that just want to mess around with some stuff. So yeah, nice. the world needs it. Thanks, dude. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. That was episode 139. Thanks to Josh for coming to hang out with us. Thank you to you for listening. I went down and played with the vibe with Josh. He was super fun. Jealous. We VR you, is crazy. Yeah. Hit Josh up. We'll see you in the VR world soon. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Join our Slack team. We're at spec.fm slash Slack. Getting close to 5,000 people in there, which is pretty insane. And of course... Man, we need to work on Spectrum. It's- It's getting way too big. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, thank you again to our sponsors that made this episode possible. Thank you, Wayno, for sponsoring us once again. This team is amazing and you should go join it. It's so good. If you are into the whole freelance agency thing, I can't think of a better place to work. Even if you're not looking for work, at the very least, go to wayno.co, U-E-N-O.co. Check out the work that they're cranking out for amazing companies like Dropbox and Google and Reuters and Boosted Board and uh, Red Bull and on and on and on. Their client list is off the charts and their work is inspiring. If you're in the city, go talk to them. Go to their happy hours. People are happy to talk to you about how they produce things. Some of your favorite designers, some of our favorite designers just people talking about how they get stuff done or life outside of work too. Again, that's wayno.co, U-E-N-O dot C-O. Also, thank you to Dropbox for making this episode possible. Dropbox is on a mission to simplify the way we work and build products together, and they want you to join them. They're going to continue disrupting the way we work together, building new products, and it's an incredibly exciting time to be at Dropbox. If you are a product designer or design manager and you want to learn more, go to spec.fm slash Dropbox. That'll take you to the job listings page and you can learn all about the role, even if you're outside of the US. So everyone should apply. Again, that's spec.fm slash Dropbox. When we met with them on this, they specifically said it's everything from like the most junior, the most intern, your first design job, all the way up to senior manager level, all sorts of stuff. So definitely go check it out. Thanks again to Dropbox. We'll see you next week with Mike Davidson.